All right, well, we are, uh, we're actually wrapping up this, this sermon series. We've got this Sunday and next Sunday. I was thinking about you, Grace Community. Um, imagine, like, walking into a room at, like, the end of a movie, like the last, the last 10 minutes of the movie and sitting down and being like, what you guys watching? Um, so I'm going to do my best to catch you up this morning, but we're in the middle of this series uh, on the book of Nehemiah called Courageous Leadership, Uncertain Times. And man, have those two things been relevant, right? We are in a time where we need courageous leadership, and yet every day you open the headlines and things have never been more uncertain. This morning we're going to open up to, uh, to Nehemiah, though. We're going to look at chapter 12, verses 27 to 43. And this is, this is really the, the end of the movie. This is the, 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 uh, the climax, the, uh, the dedication of the wall is finally taking place. Nehemiah's wall has been rebuilt and God's people gather together and it is, uh, it is a day of joy and celebration. We're gonna read Nehemiah 12, verses 27 to 43. More, more names. More names for me to butcher. Get ready. Let's listen to God's word. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings, and with singing with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Nephethites, also from Beth Gilgal, and from the region of Geba and Asmaveth. For the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs who gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the dung gate, and after them went Hoshiah and half of the leaders of Judah and Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, and certain of the priests with sons with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, son of Shemaiah, son of Menaniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zakor, son of Asaph, and his relatives, Shemaiah, Azrael, Malalai, Gilalai, Maai, Nathaniel, Judah, and Hanani with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went up before them. At the fountain gate, they went straight before them by the stairs of the city of David at the ascent of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east. The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north, and I followed them with half the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens to the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim and by the gate of Yashanah and by the fish gate and the tower of Hananel and the tower of Hundred to the sheep gate, and they came to the hall at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God, and I and half of the officials with me and the priests, Eliakim, Maasa, Miniamin, Micaiah, Elionai, Zechariah, Hananiah, with trumpets, and Messiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzai, Jehonan, Melchijah, Elam, and Ezer, and the singers sang with Jezrahiah as their leader. 
And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. The grass withers and the flower fades, but this is the word of our God, it endures forever. I've decided from now on I'm going to have like one of you come up and read the scriptures and just... I tell you what, nonetheless, it is so good to open up God's word with you today on Father's Day of all days. And I feel like today, like even this week for me, has been like just a moment to stop and reflect, right? Um, particularly for dads, I think there's something about sitting in a fishing boat or going on a hike or, or grilling a steak that just makes you slow down and think about life. You with me? I was talking to a colleague a few weeks ago, and I can't stop thinking about our conversation Anyone have that friend who, for whatever reason, has no time for small talk? Anyone have that friend in your life? Like the first five minutes of our conversation, this is how it went. First five minutes, my buddy was like, Ryan, how is it with your soul? Like we went from talking to weather to now talking about the meaning of life, just like that. I wasn't really ready for the question, so I started uh, talking all the pleasantries out. I was like, well, uh, Churchland is awesome, right? Like, the, things are so great that we've weathered the storm called coronavirus. That's behind us. And, and then I went into bragging about Montana, Summers. He's not from here. Telling him all about the great hikes that I've been on with the girls. And he listened patiently for about three to four minutes. Then after this long pause, he said, man, that is so awesome, Ryan, but that is not my question. He said, my question is, how is it with your soul? I went fishing uh, last week. And as I began to uh, walk to the water, there's this massive sign, big, huge letters from the Gallatin Health Department. You know what I'm talking about. Maintain a minimum distance of six feet between others at all times. Stay local, stay friendly. You know what went through my head what fly fisherman in his right mind stands less than six feet away from somebody else on the river? Like, you get within six feet of me on the river, you're probably going to end up with a hook in the back of your head. But I feel like everywhere we go, in any given day, there are these unexpected moments that pop up out of nowhere to remind us just how crazy life is these days. Big Sky Country Fair canceled. Sweet Pea Festival essentially canceled. Ennis, 4th of July, they tried, canceled. Shakespeare in the Park, canceled. Music on Main, canceled. Symphony Under the Stars, right, Helena? Canceled. Alive at Five, canceled. How is it with your soul? So I wanted to give a sincere answer to my friend, so, uh, so I, and I did. I, I, I said to him, I said, I feel like I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. He said, all things considered, what, what have you been considering these days? I'm like, my goodness. Am I talking to my therapist or what is the deal? He wouldn't let me off the hook. Harvard, Rutgers, Northeastern University all gathered together to do a study in the last week. It found that nearly one-third of all those surveyed in the last month have had symptoms of moderate to severe, to severe depression. That's not the troubling part. The troubling part is year over year, it's increased times three. Experts are now tracking a new wave, not of COVID, but they say of divorce. Law firms are reporting a 25% increase. 
University of Montana just a few weeks ago now says that they expect a loss of 75,000 jobs in our state by the end of 2020. They say a recession is coming unlike anything we've known since World War II. And meanwhile, there's a social revolution clearly upon us. Politics are entirely up in the air. And if we're honest, the idea of camping in the woods in the middle of nowhere sounds really good, right? But I've been thinking about that question all week long. And I thought, why should I have all the fun? So let me ask you, how is it with your soul? You know, one of the things that I love about the story of Nehemiah is that throughout these pages of this book, we find God's people overwhelmed time and time again by adversity and hardship, over and over again. There is not a moment in this narrative where the life of God's people is simple and without incident. And yet in these same pages, we find this steadfast, God-centered, spiritually sound leadership time and time again. Nehemiah first hears about the wall of Jerusalem. You'll remember back at the beginning and it's in shambles. He's, he's back in the king's quarters miles and miles away, but before he does a thing about it, what does he do? He prays. Not for a day, not for a week, but for months he begins soul searching. And then, and then he finally gets uh, this go-ahead from the king and he decides to proceed and the rebuild begins and he's immediately now faced with opposition from all sides. Every nation in the region wanted him to fail. But instead of panicking, he tells his men quite literally, you need faith. He says, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we his servants will rise and build. But now with every brick that's put on that wall, the threat increases. And this fear of the enemy begins to take over and overwhelm God's people. And so Nehemiah holds steady. He tells his flock, do not be afraid, remember the Lord. So now the enemies are plotting, right? If you can't get to the people, then you'll get to the leaders. So they try to set Nehemiah up with these rumors and false lies, but rather than the act, Nehemiah is consistent. And once more he stops and asks God, Lord, strengthen my hand. And then we open up to our lesson this morning full of crazy names. But if you skip through all that, you would find that after years of battling for God's purposes and God's plan, it's now time for song and celebration. Because by God's grace, the wall is standing again, right? Our scriptures tells us that these choirs gathered from the entire region, they came out from the woodwork of all of Judah. Villages like Netophah to dedicate this completed wall to the Lord. Look at this uh, on your screens, verse 27. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving and singing, cymbals, harps, and lyre. And you might have noticed this already, but hear me out. There is not a shadow of a doubt in this moment, not a shadow of a doubt. The souls of God's people are good. You with me? Praise lifted high, voices singing in worship, gladness and thanksgiving. The scriptures tell us there were two choirs gathered that day. One went north along the city wall, the other one went south. One went clockwise, the other counterclockwise. And as they began walking up this refurbished wall, God's word tells us they were first led by the Levites in this ceremony of purification. 
as if to wash away all the baggage and struggle and weight of their sins. And then one by one, these choirs climbed up onto this sanctified now fortification to sing the victory of God. Look at this, verse 31. Nehemiah says, so I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. And, and this parade of voices now walks from gate to gate until they've surrounded this city in song. Just picture that scene for a minute. Every soul lifted high to God in worship. There wasn't a person in town who didn't see or hear praises that day. Do a little soul searching with me for a minute. I think maybe the question might need to be asked a little bit differently if we're going to answer it well. But let me try it this way. When was the last time you found yourself singing with thanksgiving and praise to God? I don't mean just following along with the words on a screen. Some of you are like, we just did that like five minutes ago, right? Now. No, when was the last time that your soul was so lost, so caught up in God's glory that you couldn't help but shout for joy to the Lord, unreserved and inhibited? See, there's something about music. There's something about singing praise that serves almost as this barometer of the soul. Are you with me? You want to know how my soul is? Then go check out my latest music list on my phone. It'll probably give you a pretty good idea of where I'm at. See, this was a pivotal moment, right? All of the prayer, all the heartache, all the back-breaking labor, all the conflict, all the struggle, and now comes this day of celebration. And just think about this. What celebration do you know of that does not come with song? Graduation, we just had it. What's the song? pomp and circumstance. New Year, what's the song? I can never say it right. All lang scene. College football games, what's the song? Hail to thee, all, our, our alma mater. Christmas, joy to the world. Music is intricately connected with life, right? And if you buy into that theme with me, then let me ask you this. How is it with your soul? Back in the 1940s, the Steinway Piano Corporation was faking bankruptcy. Back to World War II for a minute. It was well underway. And, and because of wartime law, the company assembly lines were shut down entirely because the government considered Steinway a non-essential. We're used to that word by now, aren't we? So they were cut off. They were cut off from all the materials that would be necessary to make a piano. Iron, copper, brass, that was all reserved now for the soldiers. But in 1942, the military was suddenly facing this horrible crisis. The morale of the troops was at an all-time low. Leadership knew they had to do something. These, these men were worn down and homesick. And it just so happened Steinway had the solution. So the government entered into this massive contract to create military-grade pianos that were literally flown over the battlefields and dropped by parachute to the troops below. Look at this. The pianos were known as victory verticals. Look, there's a couple of pictures on the screen for you. That's how they were dropped. And then this is the result. Nothing could damage these things, right? They, they were like musical tanks. I don't know if we can get to another picture here. Is it stuck? There we go. See that? Middle of the battlefield, literally playing. Musical tanks. In the span of one war, they dropped over 2,500 pianos. I think we've got one more for you. 2,500. Here's what I want to know. I want to know how they kept them in tune. Right? 
No, but when it comes to our faith, the entire concept of worship is wrapped in music. Song is this timeless ritual, this practice that's woven into the life of God's people. In the Bible, you can find it every time the church is singing praise when they realize they're standing in the presence of God, when they find the very evidence of God moving in their life. The first song ever led by a leader in scripture was Moses. Exodus 15.1, the Israelites escaped Egypt, right? And after all this slavery and this oppression, the, the entire generation of Moses is now set free and God works these miracles. And as soon as they cross through the parted sea, look at what they're singing. I will sing to the Lord, Moses sings with Israel, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider he's thrown into the sea. Or you might remember this one. You might remember the story of King Saul who was tormented by the spirit of heaviness right after David took the throne. And yet David in his compassion after taking the throne away, look at this in 1 Samuel 16. This is what he does for him. And whenever the harmful spirit was upon Saul, David took the lyre, played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and well and the harmful spirit departed him. Or how about in 1 Chronicles 15, 28, when the Ark of the Covenant is brought to Jerusalem for the first time? This is a huge deal, right? That was the Ten Commandments in a box, right? And this is one of the greatest representations, not only of the faith, but of God's presence among his people. And this box finally arrives to the city of David. What does Israel do? Look at this. So all of Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord was shouting to the sound of horn, trumpets, cymbals, and made loud music on harps. And there it is again, lyres. This is years before Nehemiah's day. Nearly the exact same scene. And here's my favorite part if you keep reading. King David went dancing. Now fast forward with me to the early church. Jesus has come, Jesus has died, Jesus has risen, and now... And now his witnesses begin telling the gospel to the world. Acts 16, 25. Paul and Silas get thrown in prison for sharing their faith. Their fate is unknown. They don't know if the death penalty is coming, if they'll ever see their loved ones again. But that's not what consumes them. Look at this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake, the foundations of the prison were shaken, and all at once the doors flew open, everyone's chains came loose. How is it with your soul? I love how, how direct the teaching from Colossians is for the church. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Is that not a picture of Sunday morning worship? Singing is this universal communication, right? It doesn't matter what culture, what language, what nation, what age. Song is ingrained in us. In fact, here's a fun fact for Father's Day. There was a study done back in 2000 that measured the responsiveness of infants to their father's singing compared with their mother's singing. And every time without fail, the study proved that an infant is more stirred by their father's voice than their mother's voice. The professor said it like this. He said, when the brain hears that song, it lights up like a Christmas tree. Back to our lesson, Nehemiah splits these two choirs, right, as they make their way across this, this wall around the city. They now come together and I don't know, maybe what you'd call like an upsurge of worship. 
Look at this in verse 40. It says, so both choirs now gave their thanks and stood in the house of God, right? They're standing in the place where the temple had stood years before. I and half the officials with me, Nehemiah says. And God's word now tells us of trumpets echoing, right? And instruments being played, he says, in the tradition of David. As this man, Jezrahiah, makes his debut. It's the only cameo of Jezrahiah in the entire Bible. He nails it. Conducting a citywide choir in worship, we've never heard of him before, we'll never hear of him again. But in this singular moment, he's the most important person in all of Israel. Because this is not only a day of dedication, this is a day of acclamation. It's a day where God's people are rejoicing and lost in the noise of song. Why? Look at this, verse 43. And they offered great sacrifices of that day and rejoiced, for God made them rejoice with great joy. Even the women and the children jumped in. Why are they singing? God has them singing with great joy. It wasn't the wall, it was the Lord. See, I think singing praise to God might be the diagnosis of the soul. Back in the middle of the lockdown doldrums, as I called them, my wife Jen stumbled across this live hymn sing up on Facebook by the band Gettys. Anybody heard of the Gettys? If you have not heard of the Gettys, we're going to get them back. I've heard they've come here before. We're going to bring them back again. They're incredible. Um, some of the most faithful Christians to write and perform Christian music. Uh, stick with the scriptures. It's never about, I shouldn't even use the word performance. It's always about the worship with the Gettys. But one night we're stuck inside, right? And uh, it's snowing outside. Cabin fever has set in. And just before dinner, Jen turned on this Facebook Live of this hymn sing. The entire Getty family is gathered around their piano. And they have four little girls and they know they're on camera, right? Like they're, they're kind of acting crazy. The youngest ones are giving mom and dad a hard time. But the minute that first chord is struck, they're now singing in praise to God. I mean, literally shouting, almost off-key, some of those kids in praise to God. And as we sat eating dinner together, you could literally feel the heaviness of life just lifted in the room. It was as if all the world and its problems for a minute passed away, and this contagious worship virus, you might say, spread like wildfire. So many thousands of people caught on from all over the world that now they do it every single week. If you look back at our lesson, God's people are enamored with the Lord. You would think at some point there would be some big speech, right, where Nehemiah at least took some of the credit for this project. Some kind of a ribbon cutting where he waited for the photo op. But there is no speech. There's no, there's no self-congratulatory lecture. He doesn't invite the choir to sing a big song of how awesome he is. No, Nehemiah's soul, time and time again, is consumed by the glory of God. He is so on fire, he knows this isn't about him. And I love it, this. This is, this is my favorite part. Look at this last line, verse 43. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard for far, far away. We're not talking about some quasi-half-sung song. We're talking about unreserved, unashamed, off-key, noise-making, shouting in celebration to God. In the city of Montreal, Canada, a 38-year-old father was uh, pulled over in town by four policemen. And as the police cars got behind him, he thought surely they were going to pass, but then he heard an officer on the loudspeaker tell him to pull off to the right. And as these four men approached his car, they asked him, they said, why are you shouting at the neighbors, sir? He said, oh, 
I wasn't shouting. He said, I was singing. They said, well, if you weren't shouting, then what were you singing? And he, he turned the radio up a bit to that famous song. You might have heard it before, Gonna Make You Sweat. You know, everybody dance now. You know that song? Are you with me? The officers chuckled. They went back to their car. And get this, they return, this is a true story. They returned with a ticket of $118 for causing, and I quote, noise resulting from cries, clamors, singing, altercations, or cursing of any other uproar. The dad looked up at the officer. He said, how can you not sing to that song? And you know you can relate. You know it. We all have that one song that when it plays, it's getting turned up. And it, was, uh, it was CCR with my dad. He used to turn that radio as high as it would go. His fingers would be drumming on the dashboard and he'd scream, wait for it, here it comes, boys. It was like the switch went off and my dad lost it. No, but if the beat of our favorite song moves us, then how much more should God's glory and power and might, right? And the joy of Jerusalem was heard for miles. That Hebrew word literally means distant places. Everyone is listening to the singing praises of God's people. And just think about this with me. Nehemiah, he led this celebration over a completion over a wall, right? Over bricks and mortar, this, this tangible, material, temporary thing. We have the gospel. We have the good news of salvation. We have the cross. We have Christ in eternal victory. How is it with your soul? Let me paint you a picture of eternity. Listen to this. Close your eyes and listen to this as we wrap up. Revelation 14, 12 says this. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps, and they were singing a new song before the throne. You know what I'm going to do next time my friend, my therapist friend asks me how it is with my soul? I'm not reading that. See, our worship is not just about circumstance or happenstance. It can't be. We know that. The world is crazy. It's about the consistency of resting in the promises of God. Man, so whatever we need to dedicate our lives to this morning, however we need to return to the Lord, give him your praise, give him your voice, give him your song. Let me pray for us. God, we're not all musically talented. You didn't give us all the gifts that uh, this band behind me has, Lord, but you have called us to make a joyful noise to you. Lord, and some of us are reserved and we maybe don't like to sing and um, God, we're not really sure what to do with it and yet we hear of King David of all people dancing in the streets. So God, we ask this morning, would you help us in those moments of heaviness to put on a garment of praise, Lord. Or in those moments of trouble or trial, Lord, to return to you and worship, God, that we would sing the praises of your name. Lord, we thank you for the hope we have in Jesus Christ, Lord. Would you help us to carry that song in our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord God's people say.